And then I would have this moment where like, that's it, I'm up. Full consciousness would kick in and I'd be aware of it. And immediately wow. I would become aware of like how I felt. You know, you got morning anxiety when as soon as you open your eyes, you compulsively check and scan how you feel. Yep feeling hypersensitive to everything, to dread about the day, to dread about how I'm gonna cope. I was looking for it the night before. Before I would go to sleep, mm -hmm. I was worried about what was the next morning was gonna be. Nighttime people are a bit different because you hear these common worries like, what if I sit with myself and have to experience the sensations and the scary thoughts? The sun's gone down. It's something to do with the darkness that makes me feel anxious because it's just become a thing. You've just attached unnecessary symbolism to it. Welcome back to Disordered. This is episode 12 entitled Anxiety Morning and Night. I am Drew Linsalata, co-host of Disordered, a grad student in clinical mental health counseling and a therapist in training here in the United States. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that people who get anxiety at night are definitely the coolest people. Nonetheless, the morning anxiety will be <laughs> represented by my co-host, Josh Fletcher. How are you doing, Josh? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm uh, Josh Fletcher, also known as Anxiety Josh on social media. Uh, um, and I'm a psychotherapist based in Manchester in the UK, cool. uh, also a previous sufferer as well. And I will be representing the morning anxiety crowd uh, today, which who have scientifically been proven to be more attractive than people who get nighttime anxiety. Um, for legal purposes, that was a joke. It was a lie. For legal purposes, <laughs> yes. Disclaimers. <laughs> So yeah, today we're going to talk about anxiety morning and night because so many people struggle with the whole like I get anxiety at night or what do I do with morning anxiety? How do I handle it? Treat it as special. So this was kind of prompted by a question. You want to go do the question that we got asked? Yeah, I mean, on, on the Disordered uh, FM, Disordered.FM website, uh, we get um, questions submitted via email, comments, and even uh, we get voice notes as well sometimes if you want to yeah. drop in and, and do that. Um, yeah, this today's topic was inspired by a question was do you have any tips or can you talk about ways to stop ruminating at night particularly um you know when i'm in bed and it's causing me stress and anxiety so we thought well i hear a lot about nighttime anxiety um i hear a lot about morning anxiety so i just thought well drew and i thought well why don't we discuss it both yeah yeah we'll combine them in one episode I think so rumination, you know, that's, that'll be its own topic. We'll do a whole episode just on rumination, but that mm. I, the idea that it's diff more difficult at night, I kind of get it's quiet. Everybody's mm. asleep. There's no distractions. Um, Should we start at the sunrise? We could what do is morning. What is morning? Like you've just opened your eyes and you're the day in the life of an anxious person, mm. maybe with disordered anxiety. Um, did you ever have, um, anxious mornings because I certainly did that was my jam so I'm joking about you know representing the night anxiety people but I was a morning anxiety person in a huge way mm. I would have that moment where and I never realized that moment there is a moment where you wake up I don't and now I don't recognize it so much anymore where you're sort of asleep you could fall back asleep and then I would have this moment where like that's it I'm up so like full consciousness would kick in and I'd be aware of it and immediately Wow. I would become aware of like how I felt. Welcome to the day. Yeah, I, you know you got morning anxiety with disordered anxiety when as soon as you open your eyes, you compulsively check and scan how you feel, yep. whether it's through the want 
of it of it to have gone yep uh, uh do, do i feel okay today um or just being irritated annoyed with yourself annoyed at the anxiety uh, and feelings wise for me it was always just being hit with a feeling of dread mm. you know and don't get me wrong before disordered anxiety i would you know I'd wake up feeling groggy yeah. crawl into the kitchen grab a coffee and all that and i do that now like mm-hmm. i've gone back to feeling waking up for, actually i'm not too bad at waking up nowadays i'm okay a bit like oh got a spring in my step uh i think because i enjoy my job um but in general it's yeah it's going but i remember in the midst for years just being like is it there is it obs- just obsessed this internal focus feeling hypersensitive to everything to dread about the day to dread about how i'm going to cope yeah. Yeah, and, and you spend a lot of the day like kind of scanning. Yeah, and I would start with a scan. And some of it was the build up from the night before. And we, you know, we'll come full circle, we'll go to the nighttime also. But I tried everything. I have sleep mask and white noise and binaural beats, and I did all the things <laughs> to try to sleep more and sleep better so that in the morning I wouldn't wake up that way. And so I'd open my eyes, I'd hit that moment of consciousness and immediately notice there it is. Like I, there it was, it was waiting for me. Like literally like, you know, you, ever, you know, you have a dog, like Strudel ever sneak onto the bed and literally his snout is right next to you on the pillow. Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. open your eyes and there's a dog snout, right? Like that was literally what it was. The anxiety was right there, right in my face. Yeah, and, and, and it, it was there because also you went looking for it. I was looking for it the night before. Before I would go to sleep, mm-hmm. I was worried about what was the next morning was gonna be. Yeah, you, you, you know you've not practiced, if you've, not listen to any of our other stuff or mm. new, n- know what we talk about. Uh, we're big proponents of, uh, you know, kind of, I, I call it like kind of willfully tolerating anxiety yeah. or surrendering during to the anxiety, it's basically just not engaging with it, allowing it to be there, not engaging. The opposite of that is that if you're someone who struggles with anxiety in the morning, the horrible th- the sense of foreboding, the dread, the physical symptoms, the pit in your stomach, the, the horrible stuff, and you're engaging with that immediately by scanning, wishing for it that it wasn't there, getting annoyed at it, then you are actually engaging with it, yeah. and and it becomes a thing. And and it was a weird process for for us both to to kind of overcome that, because and again, you know, it's it's counterintuitive, but I kind of overcame morning anxiety when I just expected to feel rubbish. I was like, yeah. well, and what makes this worse is that I'm going to feel rubbish. But if I start ruminating, scan, trying to get rid of it, it's just going to exacerbate it. Yeah, never that never fixed it, and you know, it's so I would I would wake up and I would feel that, and I would immediately go to oh, here it is again, like it's right. In, I would be afraid. I would wake up afraid. It was just no fun. And then mm. you know, at this point, it's four o'clock in the morning because I wasn't sleeping well, you know, in those days, and three o'clock, you know, three thirty, four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. And it would be, how am I ever going to get all the way through this day if this is how I'm starting at 4.45 a.m.? And it would mm. just feel like a hopeless, another hopeless morning. Uh, that was Those were not good days, now that I think about that. You could feel very lonely as well. I certainly did. Particularly when you get up before everyone else and Craig the Critics comes in and he's like, oh, everyone else is sleeping, you're alone here, you know, you still got this thing, you're broken, you can't fix yourself. And I, um, and that just kind of, you know, really kind of piled misery onto, onto that. Um, yeah. What helped? Well, interestingly, what helped was 
coming to the conclusion like you did that like, well, I could lay here and try to fix this up here. I'm pointing to my head because you can't see me do that. But you know, I would try to <clears> fix <throat> it with my thoughts and like words. And I kind of came to the conclusion, I'm going to have to just get out of bed and drag this around with me. Because what else? Well, I have no other choice. And that changed a lot of things for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, because what you got to realize and what helped my morning anxiety and I'll applies to nighttime anxiety too. Uh, almost actually, it's slightly different approach. Mm -hmm. But um, for me, psychoeducation, mm -hmm. actually, if you're anxious and you've been anxious for a while, you're stressed. And when you're anxious and stressed, your nervous system is more sensitized. Mm -hmm. And when your nervous system is more sensitized, you're more prone to the chemical release uh, in association with the threat response. So anxious people have more cortisol in the morning. Mm -hmm. We all need cortisol to wake up. I love cortisol. It's great. Yeah. You wake up because you have a shot of cortisol. Bang, have a bit of that on your way. But anxious people often misinterpret that shot of cortisol. Yeah. This is why the, the non-anxious you, your pre-anxious self or your family or friends or, or, or partner, they get up and they're like, oh, I feel a bit groggy. I don't feel great. But they're also experiencing the cortisol. You may be experiencing a little bit more, mm -hmm. you know, because you're having a threat response on top of it. But I often find that, you know, you never win when you open your eyes and expect to feel amazing when it's cortisol, the thing that you've been trying to resist and hate yep. for so long, is literally needed to wake you up. So the last thing that you want to do if you have morning anxiety is to sit there and scan and, and, and try and get rid of it and whatnot. And, and lie and ruminate about it too. Uh, that's what I used to do. And it just made me feel really lonely. Instead, I'd be like, I'm going to feel anxious tomorrow. What can I do with my behavior? And let's play around with that and see how that affects my mood. Yeah. Uh, and it was remarkable what yeah. you can actually do. It's amazing, right? And I had to yeah. start learning that. And this is the thing I talked about a lot. I've written about it and everything. Like to me, it wasn't that I jumped out of bed and like put on my running shoes and did eight miles and nothing like that at all. These were little things like literally deciding to not lay in bed ruminating or scanning. I would put my feet right on the floor. And then, you know, I would just, and I, I used to use the phrase, all I have to do is, all I have mm. to do is put on this shirt. All I have to do is take the cap off the toothpaste. All I all have like to do that. now is grab my toothbrush. Breaking it down I to manageable chunks. Dude, yeah. literally step by step, so unnatural, so ridiculous. Like nobody lives their morning that way, but I did. And that's how I learned that I could get up and walk to the bathroom and do what I had to do and get myself dressed and go have a glass of juice. And while I was really anxious and nervous you, and uncomfortable. How much would you say then? It sounds like you were forcefully, not forcefully, but you were really kind of meticulously trying to break a habit. Oh yeah. Yes, I was. <laughs> it was... I was intentionally trying to feel all of those things while I did every one of these little tell. All I have to do now is put the cap back on the toothpaste. That's all I have to do in the whole world. And I would do that mm. and then move on to the next thing while I was shaking and while I, my stomach was churning and while I felt like I couldn't breathe. And so, I mean, that yeah, was not a my, plus. Those were not pleasant mornings, but they helped. The, yeah. And you start to notice it over time, go down, not compulsively checking and right. measuring Willing, and again, I mean, the last, I think it was our last episode on attitudinal shift. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. It I, was, yeah. I, I love doing that episode. Oh, no, that was two thing. two episodes ago. Sorry. Two episodes ago. I absolutely love doing that episode. Um, it applies to morning anxiety, too, is that 
it, it requires an attitudinal shift. I will be anxious, but I am still in control here of what I can do. And this will affect my mood. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't think, Drew, it's not as if you put the lid back on the toothpaste, walk downstairs, and then compulsively check to see if the anxiety had gone. No, no. What I, were you doing? I literally had to resign myself to the fact that it's going to come with me. So I'm going to do these things while I feel this way, because the alternative would be to let it pin me in the bed for an hour and a half or two hours, which was not acceptable mm -hmm. to me anymore. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to do it this way. And it really did make a difference because it also allowed me to see that, well, I'm capable of handling this that I thought I wasn't. And mm. then when I started to get a little bit of that feeling, it made enough space where I could start to see like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, by around 11 o'clock, I do start to feel a little better. Just naturally, I wasn't trying to make that happen. It would begin to dissipate a little bit and my afternoons weren't as bad. And so I could start to hang on to that. Like, look, this is temporary. But when I just laid there and thought about the morning anxiety and, and just interacted with it as my default, I could never see that. It just felt like the whole day would be that way. And the whole day was not that way. No. Yeah. No, and, and I, I remember the same morning anxiety was really bad, particularly in the midst of kind of panic disorder and OCD. Yeah. Where it was the time, uh, my habit, and it was a habit, I was contributing to this. It wasn't my fault. I was having these feelings. It's yeah. not your fault. Sure. But you, it usually goes hand in hand with habit. And what I do is, yeah, I open my eyes, I lie there. I, I, I either desperately grab my phone or a distraction, or I just sit there and be absorbed in it. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, my body is not moving. My focus is entirely internal. And I'm just signaling to the amygdala. Here we go. He's going to press it. Isn't amygdala. It? Yeah, there we go. He's... <laughs> sounds more terrifying every time i hear it, it really but i'm just signaling to my amygdala that hey this current feeling is dangerous yeah i'm treating it like it's dangerous if i'm lying there or trying to shun it away and distract myself or if i'm lying there kind of just dwell dwelling in it then it's like both are showing the amygdala that this feeling is horrible and it mustn't be there. And that just adds to it. And then on top of that, you've got this habit. So you've got your neuropathways that are just solidified yep. from weeks, days, years of habit. Um, and to break out of that habit, you've got to make a new neuropathway. And as we know in psychology, to make a new neuropathway and a new habit, it requires commitment and repetition and a want. Yeah. And that's what Drew did. And I did um, just doing the basic things because it's breaking a habit for me. And, and that's something I think I heard on the anxious truth a while ago. It was, um, you know, I do things like I just put my shoes next to my bed because as soon as I woke up, I would get out of bed. I'm yeah. not going to do that. Some people might say, well, isn't that you just like running away from the anxiety? It's like, no, because it's me stopping compulsively ruminating. Right. It's showing the anxious response that I will get up and get on with my day like non-anxious Josh. I'm not running away from the feeling. I just get up and do the basic things like Drew. And I'd even simulate it. I wasn't hungry, but I'd simulate. I'd pour myself a little yeah. coffee and some cornflakes, a slice of bread, whatever. And I'd, and I'd go through the motions to show the brain that, you know, this isn't yeah. scary anymore. And it does work. It, it really did. And so that mm. led to me, like, I would do a lot of my exposure work 
first thing in the morning. I actually, when I wrote The Anxious Truth, I actually called it The Morning Effect. I might have invented that. I don't know. I should maybe trademark it. But <laughs> I, I would do those things first thing in the morning, and it would be like, this is what the morning's going to look like. I'm going to be nervous and afraid and feel like shit when I wake up, and then I'm going to go do things to intentionally make myself even more afraid. But then by the, when I was done with those things, the day was much better. Not great. I still had anxiety. I would still panic through the rest of the day sometimes. But this, I had accomplished something. I had shown myself capable, and it really set the stage, as opposed to laying there for two hours and dreading that I had to do exposures or dreading that I had to make a phone call or, oh, my God, maybe even go to the office, which was, like, out of the question. I just got up and went right at it then. Here you go. I'm going to go do the things now. So that shift in attitude because you knew but that, that that shift in attitude is nice when you start to see the fruits of your labor yes i would feel better i sometimes i'd walk back in the door an hour later i would literally drive i will do that another day but i would spend an hour an hour and a half driving around in a three mile radius of my house which is ridiculous to me now but that's what i had to do and i would be anxious and i'd walk back into the door just knackered i was tired from doing it because it takes a lot out of you but i felt great I was yeah. anxious, afraid, tired, but felt great. Does that tired make any and, sense? Yeah, tired and unburdened. Yes. Nice. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. A, it felt like a good tired. I don't know if that makes any sense, mm. but anyway. yeah, no, yeah, like like you would after a good workout or something. It's a pretty bit. very similar, isn't it? Yeah, like nah. I had earned, like I earned this tired man. I was working hard for myself. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that, and and that's that's um, compassionate as well, isn't it? It's like I earned this tiredness. You know, I did I did a tricky thing. Yeah, but if you're someone who's very self-critical, be like, "Oh, why have I still got this?" You know, everyone else. No, it's okay. You know, like you can. It's good. It's good that you've done that. Um, people wake up. People with kind of conventional anxiety wake up. By the way, you can't remember they wake up with anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll worry maybe outwards about. They're worried about work. They're worried about the day ahead. They worry about failure. They worry if their car might not start. Drew, what's the difference? Well, it's, it's funny that you bring that up, Josh, because I think I, I, I don't know if I've told the story on this podcast before, but in one of those mornings, I was there's a little dairy store that's literally around the corner from where you could drive there in 60 seconds. And I was sitting in the parking lot because that was my goal for today. I'm going to sit in the parking lot of this shop for five minutes and then I'm going to go. That was my exposure. And a woman pulled up next to me and she got out of her car at 730 in the morning and she looked like she had been dragged through the night. Apologies, ma'am, if you're listening by some crazy coincidence. But she clearly had a hard night. She looked like she was exhausted. She looked like she was done. She dragged herself mm. out of her car, went into the dairy shop, came out with her bag of whatever and a cup of coffee. And I looked at her and thought, she probably feels just as crappy as I do right now. She's just not turning it into an emergency. What a mm. moment that was for me. How do they treat it differently? You know, what's the difference? They don't treat it like an emergency. That woman taught yeah. me something that day. And she has, I don't know who she is. She has no that. idea either. No probably. idea. If you're yeah. listening and you are <laughs> the, the most unassuming, grim, stale morning she of was her, just you know, going to work was right. very inspirational for, for you. me. It was a real moment where I looked and said, She probably feels every bit as crappy as I do. She's just yeah. not calling it an emergency like I am. It's, it's the only difference is the content, isn't it? And yep. how we interact with it. Yep. You know, some people they like to remain. And they will ruminate. And people with conventional anxiety will ruminate. So, sure. oh, no, what if my boss doesn't like me? So they'll play out scenarios in their head or whatever, yep. and this is the kind of thing, or, or whatever. Uh, and so some people with a fear, a misinterpretation of fear, they'll be like, well, I'm going to worry about just the impact, my, my relationship with the fear itself. But physiologically, the same thing's happening. Yeah. And that's why I love that story with Drew and stuff. You probably sat there with 
you know, loads of cortisol on, on board and same stress chemicals and whatever, but just the, the interpretation and the association was different. Yeah. Well, she was dragging for sure. And it showed, but like, I was thankful for that in that moment. Like, I hope she had a better day, but in the end I did learn something from that. So yeah, I think that is the difference. You know, you Aww. mentioned that before we get on to maybe night anxiety, too, you mentioned the cortisol thing. I went down the rabbit hole, especially that pre-anxious me was a bit of a gym rat and then recovered me, became a gym rat again. And so I had a bit of a vested interest in some of that stuff. And I was like, oh, I got to control my cortisol levels. That's the problem here. I have too much cortisol. And that, oh, no. oh, that was, that was impossible. I was trying to regulate oh, no. a thing that was not designed for me to regulate at all. Now, I will always acknowledge that some people do have actual endocrine problems and that does need to be managed and there are physiological mm. conditions that cause that, but I didn't Absolutely. have that. I didn't have no. that. Yet at the time, you know, some of the- You weren't required to intervene. No, and, and I couldn't if I wanted to. There was nothing wrong with my endocrine system, but yet somehow for a while I thought I would try to control it. And that was a folly. That That's was really interesting as yep. well. You Made know, it worse. And uh, yeah, just kind of- you know, trying to get involved with with stuff and also just be very careful as well just a side note if you if you're on social media and stuff a lot just be just take the word nervous system regulators very um yeah. with a large pinch of salt it doesn't actually mean anything and you're not actually in charge really of your nervous system you can affect it with your behavior and if you got a chronic illness and stuff like oh, yeah. that, then yeah, yeah, you do need to step in. Yep. You know, if you're yep. steroid dependent, you need to take steroids. Sure, you know, uh, and, and things like that. Um, but in general, I'm talking about the wellness sphere, the you know, regulate your nervous systems in order to banish anxiety forever. And it's interesting as I see a lot of this, and yet it's the same people just signing up for the same thing over and over and over again. What we're saying is that you can do it. Um, yeah, and hopefully you get to a stage where you don't have to listen to morons like us talk, and you can actually, you know, advocate for yourself. Yeah, you know, and and do those things. Anyway, Drew, should we move on to the? Mo let's move on to you know, sunsets hit. The vampires have come out. Yep. Salem's lot is pumping. What do we do about nighttime anxiety? Well, I will tie it into morning anxiety with my own personal. We're doing a lot of self-disclosure here, but I guess it's okay. Uh, to me, my, my evenings, I didn't have serious evening anxiety or night anxiety other than when it was time to go to bed and I knew like, here we go, I'm not going to sleep and uh, it's going to be a mess. But anyway, when I would get to the night times, if I started my day, with an hour and a half of laying in bed, ruminating, trying to fix myself internally, being totally focused and entirely engaged with how I felt. When I got to mm. the end of the day, I would almost every day really beat up on myself a little bit for wasting another day. Mm. It was another day, another day lost, another day lost, and it would feel terrible. And I would like, oh, turn on the TV and numb out in front of whatever or you know whatever was available to me at the time. And it would feel like I was running and hiding. When I would get up in the morning and sort of attack my morning anxiety or move through it, by the time I got to the end of the day, I was really tired, but it was a good tired, and I felt like I at least accomplished something, something. So mm. that's my transition to the night. But in the end, when I would get anxious at night, I just had to learn to let it be there. And we always come back to mm. the same things, but, mm. um, you know, that whole, like, feeling really anxious when you're falling asleep, there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah, and, and, and with your threat responses going off in the morning or the evening, so sometimes it can just become a thing. It mm -hmm. did for me. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I had periods in my life where the morning anxiety was the thing. And then I've had periods where the evening anxiety was the thing. And obviously, when both or all day anxiety becomes a thing. Um, nighttime anxiety is, yeah, usually when you're not distracted and you'll notice this. When you're when when you're absorbed in something or when you're busy, you're less anxious mm -hmm. because your focus isn't focusing on threat. You know, you, you're, the brain's kind of gone, all right, well, we'll use our resources to help you with this task or whatever it is you're doing in front of you. Yeah. Sometimes at night when we, if we have day jobs or this and that, or um, if you're a parent, you've got to put your kids to bed or whatever, um, you'll find that you often have some time for yourself. And for some anxious people, that's where... Yeah, the wheels they fall kind off. Of just, yeah, they're like, oh my God. And then they go inwards. Yep. So for me, that's what happened to me. I used to do that. It was weird because I go to work and feel okay when I was distracted. But then in the evening, it'd be like, oh, that's when it comes. I can feel the simmering anxiety. And then nighttime, people are a bit different because you always, you hear these common worries like people with sleep anxiety, which we'll do an episode on. You know, mm -hmm. oh, what if I don't get enough sleep tonight? What if this happens? Um, what if I sit with myself and have to experience the sensations and the scary thoughts? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm afraid of being bored because I'm afraid of how, how I feel. Um, or it's just become a thing. Oh, it's nighttime now. And I've heard this a lot in this practice. It's nighttime now. The sun's gone down. It's something to do with the darkness that makes me feel anxious because it's just become a thing. Yeah, the a darkness habit. isn't making you anxious. You, you've just attached unnecessary symbolism to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I. Did you I'm, ever do any of that? I used to do that. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's winter. So therefore, I'm going to be more anxious. It's like. Well, no, I've just associated that probably because I've spent lots of nights up worrying about my anxiety. And so the nighttime reminds me of my anxiety. Well, here's a chance to turn winter into a... Yeah, something different. A, yeah. yeah, something different, yeah. Yeah, I get, no, I've, I've definitely heard that. It's, you know, it's the night. I've heard people invoke the sundowner syndrome, which is the thing that is talked about with people who have Alzheimer's and dementia. Like, yeah, that's a thing in that population, unfortunately, but that has nothing to do with, you know, oh, it's sundown syndrome. No, no, it's not that. But, um, no. yeah, you just, no. you know, you're anxious at night, so you've decided to attach, you know, some fear to the sun going down. I remember, mm -hmm. for me, that quiet time, I would I would find ways to distract myself at night, you know, videos or whatever. I'd watch TV, I'd watch a, a hockey game or something, and it kept my mind busy enough so that I didn't have a lot of, I would just have that, like, that simmering anxiety of, like, another day wasted, another day wasted, and bedtime is coming soon, and that sucked. When I would go to bed and it was quiet and dark and that's it, there's nothing else to distract you. So I would feel my heart pounding against my spine and I would feel the tingles and I like, why is my toe feeling numb now? And I would do all of that crazy stuff. But interestingly, I always tell the story about how my doctor would give me Xanax, benzodiazepine, 90 of them. Mm. And I would throw away 89 of them a year later because I was a stubborn ass. But mm. one night I got so fed up with feeling the symptoms that I got so angry I got out of bed, I stormed into the kitchen furious at this because all I wanted to do was have a normal go to bed. And I went for the Xanax and went to cut it in quarters, quarters, like it's gonna do anything for me. Mm. I'm, I'm not a little guy. I was so angry that in the couple of minutes it took me to do that, I discovered, oh wait, I don't feel my heart. Because I was so I was too involved being angry than being afraid. What a lesson that was. Changed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was around 1130 midnight. I was in my kitchen by myself. And I was like, well, you get a look at this. Like, I was so <laughs> angry that I didn't feel my heart. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bed. And I did not take the pill. That wasn't an achievement to not take the pill, by the way. It was just such a moment of realizing 
oh, when I'm really quiet, I tend to go inward. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah. When I'm really, for me, that was why evening anxiety. That's why when, when I was, I was signed off work uh, when I had morning anxiety. And when I went back to work, it actually really helped me. You know, no, don't get me wrong. There's no shame or a stigma attached to that. If you're off work because of how you feel, you know, you'll get there. You'll get to a good play. You you need that time, obviously, for you. Yeah. But when I felt ready to go back to work, I noticed that my morning started to feel a lot better because I'd wake up and have, well, something I needed to do. Yeah. You know, eat, put my clothes on, shave, brush my teeth, do all these things. Um. It was different approach for me for nighttime anxiety. It was more like, well, this will hit here tonight, but that's okay. I'm going to do what non-anxious Josh would do. Well, that would require me, I don't know, putting on a show. Now, as I'm watching TV, am I going to be fully engaged with that program? Probably not. Yeah. Is that okay? Yes. Previous me would have gone, oh, my God, I can't even concentrate. Oh, my God, what is this? I'm not, I don't feel like me. Am I going crazy? Is this... You know, is this going to be me forever? I can't even enjoy a show that I used to like. No, I'm not going to do that. And Craig the Craig can, can get lost. Instead, it was like, well, yeah, my threat response is going off. Evening anxiety has become a thing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to show the amygdala, my threat response, that actually it's not a thing. So I would go through the motions. I'd watch a show and and... and it would be difficult to engage, but by the end of the show, I, I would engage with a lot of it. Yeah. You know, um, and stuff like that. And it, I wasn't doing it to uh, compulsively distract, but I was kind of distracted. Just forming a new habit in the evening. You know, just what was, what, just form a new habit that isn't inwards focus attention. Yeah. You know, because Drew and I talk a lot on the message the other day, isn't it? It's like, how much of disorder anxiety, whether it's OCD, panic, health anxiety social anxiety whatever how much of it is just like like an internal focus syndrome isn't it it's just like anything that it's okay to leave it alone and for me that's what helped me both in morning and night anxiety yeah that oh yeah that internal focus drives everything it's so funny because in my coursework that i'm doing in my master's program it's like oh well anxiety disorders are linked really with high degrees of neuroticism like yeah you think like that internal focus is that news like did you need to publish a study to tell me that but like i could have told you that i would have saved you a lot of money morning anxiety can be an exercise in learning to engage where you think you can't or you shouldn't because you should be inward. And and I think in the end, night anxiety in a lot of ways is an exercise in almost the opposite, just allowing things to be there when you don't have things to engage with or minimal things, like watching mm. a show or reading a book. The It's a slower, you know, for most of us, let's work the night shift. The nights are slower. There's less activity. There just is. So yep. now you practice being slower and quieter with your anxiety. That's okay. You got to learn all of the ways. So that matters, you know? I think it's important to a question I get a lot is like, how do I deal with nocturnal panic attacks? Mm-hmm. They seem they happen out of the blue. You know, they wake me up from my sleep. I'm not even consciously doing it. It's not a result of my compulsive scanning stuff like that. We'll include that because that is kind of nighttime anxiety, isn't mm-hmm. it? And oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I still get nocturnal adrenaline rushes in the middle of the night. I don't even call them panic attacks. And yeah, for a few seconds, there is fright. And then I said, I managed to kind of address that secondary fear pretty quickly because it's happened so much. It's like, oh, it's one of those things. 
Uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a bad dream. Maybe I've eaten too late. That's usually when it happens. Uh, or whatever. Does it stop me from snacking late at night, though? Nope. <laughs> no. I like late night snacking. And if, 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 the, if the, the price of that is, you know, a nocturnal panic attack now and then, they'll take oh, well. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I will. You know, like, rather than you must cut out gluten and cheese and wine and all this stuff before bed because that may lead to panic attacks. Well, that's not what we subscribe to. We're like, well, if we panic, we panic. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I got it down to like, I think I got it down to like a minute and a half. Like yeah. I have a, a nocturnal adrenaline rush. I literally bolt up in bed, sweating. I, I feel like I can't breathe. My heart's not only pounding, but skipping. So I'm like, oh my God, this is, my heart's going. And then I, there's a part of me that just goes, oh, it's one of those things again. Yeah. And I've got it down to about 90 seconds where I lie back down and almost fall back asleep again. I was like, yeah, sometimes yeah. I just go back to sleep. I'm like, wow. Whereas I used to be, oh, if I had one of them, I'd be up. Oh, all night. all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I totally get that. And you know, it's funny because when you say that, and that's not an, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not sleeping with Josh, contrary to what some people think. So I can't, I can't verify his minute and a half. But I would, I would say that I have had the same, same exact experiences. A lot of people can verify my minute and a half. <laughs> but uh, in the end, that is true. Now, maybe the physiological effects are still there. You know, that adrenaline is not going to dissipate in a minute and a half, but the fear of it can go away in a minute and a half. And I always, lately, I've been defining a recovered state more on like the shortening of the time between oh my God and oh well. So like you bolt up right with, oh my God. Like everybody's going to always have the oh my God, even at three o'clock in the really morning good way in a nocturnal yeah, yeah. attack. I, the oh my God, oh well. Oh yeah, well. that's, that's like, kind of what happens. Yeah. yeah. Everybody at three o'clock in the morning that has a panic attack will have, oh my God. Like there's, it's, it's really scary yeah. and it'll bolt you out of bed and like, what the hell was going on here? Try keep and it's important right? to say that we still get those yeah, now and then. I can feel Rarely, it. Rarely, but they, but they will happen. Sure. But like, and again, if you've not heard the attitudinal shift episode, so important, it, it, you having the panic attack is not a sign of something going wrong. Right. You know, it's probably a sign that you've been a bit stressed recently and stuff like that and go easy on yourself and whatnot. Sometimes you can just have a bad dream that you don't know. Right. It just happens. You really don't know. Like I could have had a nightmare about being taken to a hockey game by Drew and that (laughs) I would wake up with sweats and uh, confusion uh, and and whatnot. Yeah. (laughs) Never want to see ice ever again. <laughs> I get it. Why are they hitting each other? There's what no are they doing? <laughs> yeah, I get it. I think a lot of people, though, the nocturnal panic attack thing, they treat it as special as if it needs a special method or special technique. And really, the yeah. only difference between the noc- the panic attack at 3 a.m. and the panic attack at 3 a.m. is it's dark at 3 a.m. Like, I know that's facetious and a little bit flippant, but but it's true if you treat it that way. It's really important to realize as well as don't make it a thing as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, 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 an adrenaline rush and a threat response at midday is the same adrenaline rush and threat response at 3 a.m. Yeah. None, one is not more special than the other. But remember, your threat response is always monitoring and watching your, what you're doing. So, a lot of people do well with their macro avoidances. You know, if I avoid stuff, it makes my anxiety worse. But look at your little micro avoidances. Look at your little safety behaviors before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. So like Drew mentioned before, if you're there with, you know, the binaural beats and the and the lavender oil, and all, don't get me wrong, I, I, I like that stuff, but I don't do it to get rid of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I just do it because it's nice. 
uh, are just relaxing. It's anti-stress. Sure. But if you're doing it like, oh, no, I must have this ritual so I don't have nocturnal panic attacks or adrenaline rushes, then you're actually signaling to the brain that this is something that we need to protect ourselves from. Yep. You don't need to protect yourself from nocturnal um, adrenaline rushes. You don't. They're not dangerous. They're just uncomfortable. Yeah, that you're right. I think that message down to Mr. Lizard Brain is, here comes six hours from you know midnight to six a.m. or we better be on guard. I'm gonna fall asleep here, but you better you're gonna sit guard duty, right? You're gonna you're gonna stay. Yeah, up. yeah, you, yeah. You are. You're right. literally saying that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like 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 rather than just face plant in the bed and just like whatever. If I sleep, I sleep. I don't. I don't. Whatever. You're like no. Like this rigid routine is here now. I've not eaten past six p.m. I've had my CBD oil and my and my uh, calming music and right. meditation, whatnot. Again, I do that for bed. I love it. I, I love my Shakti mat. Have you ever used one of them? Absolutely. Right, now I'm going to have to Google that now. Oh, it's, it's the acupuncture mat thing. It's proper nice. I just dive, I like it because it just relaxes my back. I don't do it to stop panic attacks yeah. and whatnot. Uh, I just do it because it's relaxing. Anyway. I digress. Um, if you're a promoter of Shaq Mats and you would like to, <laughs> to pay for the next episode, just throw, throw it out there. I just throw it out there. Don't worry um, that one co-host has to Google you. It's <laughs> Don't let that sway you. That's right as a check. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but in general, that's, um, that's what I do before. It's okay to relax the stress. This is what I say. It's okay to relax the stress and address a stressful day. But if you're doing preemptive measures to stop anxiety and panic in the night because you fear it mm -hmm. that's where you're stepping away from this willful tolerance mm -hmm. that we always say is the way through yeah and if you if the panic attack at three in the morning i understand it's jarring and jolting and scary but if you if you take that panic attack and decide i have to figure this out i have to know i have to figure out why and solve it it it's going to be hard to get past those just treat yeah. it like it's yeah it sucks don't like it but the more I can just kind of learn to go through it, the better that's going to get. So that was great. That's what it is. Great. Good, good chat about morning and night anxiety. Any questions or did it anyways, Drew? I think we got a good one, didn't we? We um, have a good did it anyway. For we sure. got it sent through on the website. But we we see these, by the way, if you message on disordered.fm. Um, and the voicemail function's great. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, so good. we actually we had a voicemail. Um, we were pocket dialed voicemail the other day. Someone just arguing in the front room. We were like, let's potentially not play that. <laughs> yeah, we might want to not want to do that. And by the way, if you decide to send us voicemail on the site, we're not going to automatically play your, we don't just play them on the air. So if you can say play it on the air if you want, and then we can do that. But, yeah. you know, if you give us permission, but we'll just listen to them and then try to answer the question. So it's safe to do that, even if you're yeah. nervous. We, we might be the only people that hear, but we might answer your question. So this did it anyway, and I'm not going to say the names until you, unless you tell us to say your name, we're never going to do it. Um, but this person says, this one is a little different. I actually took days off from the gym after many months of no days off. Obviously, working out is great for your physical and mental well-being, but I would start to get anxious when there was a chance that I wouldn't be able to go. So I started to plan my entire days around getting to the gym to the point of not traveling unless there was a gym at the hotel. I came oh, to the wow. conclusion that I would have to take days off or limit my visits for a period of time and just have the anxiety. As always, it was not as bad as anticipated. That's a huge did it anyway. I love that. That's absolutely. Where's the where's studio audience? What do you think of that? I didn't label that one, but let's take a chance. Nope. <laughs> That's our music. <laughs>
if you were paying for disorder, you would be justified in asking for your money back just on the production value. Yeah, well, it's, that's that. I love that. I, to be honest, <laughs> the, the theme music was made it sound more inspirational. I love that. Well done for doing that. Very You've good. identified that the gym was a safety compulsion for you. You've identified that actually gym's healthy for your wellness and stuff. Yep. But when you, it's become a, a crutch and a safety of behavior because you don't want to experience anxiety. Um, I think it's magnificent that you've identified that and the exposure started when you chose not to go. Yeah. You know, um, go because for your wellness, don't go to because of your phobia. Oh, that's superb. Well done. Honestly, seriously, On two well fronts. done. I think developing that insight, but, huge win, mm -hmm. and then actually following through and using that to inform a different action. I can't love this anymore. Mm -hmm. That was great. Yeah. I said I said the question at the start of the episode, and just to wear a tie, and uh, the one about you know ways to stop ruminating at night. So I hope that we've answered that for you. Well, um, should we talk about rumination for just a second to try and answer her question a little bit more before we do a rumination episode? I think yeah, yeah. Sure. I, the way I would I would I meant to say it in the beginning too, and I forgot. But um, the ways to stop ruminating. Yes, we talked about night. If you if you disengage from that process, it will feel really wrong, like you are abandoning some sort of thing that keeps you safe or solves problems. So as always, you're going to have to try to find ways to disengage with that. And the win is in the in the repetitive practice of turning away from it. You'll get sucked back in, you're going to start oh, ruminating wow. again in five minutes. That's okay that you're gonna that's gonna happen. But then Oh, I'm doing it again. Let me let me adjust again. That's your win. If you have to do it 100 times before you fall asleep, do that. Even though it feels like this is so irresponsible. I got to solve this problem in my head. The win is in the repetitive practice of turning away from that. I love that. It sure is. That's a team. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, I love it. It is. The win is in the, in the repetitive practice. Yeah. Love that. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back soon yeah. with, uh, with another episode. Um, uh, I know Drew puts it in the end notes, but um, wherever you listen, if you give us a rating and review, preferably a nice one, but you know, be honest and uh yeah we're happy to answer your questions and stuff and uh come follow us on social media as well at the anxious truth or anxiety josh yeah um yeah stay safe keep well and we'll catch you next time see you next week hey it's drew thanks for joining us for this episode of disordered josh and i both hope that you're finding it helpful in some way for more information about josh or me or the disordered podcast find us on the web at disordered.fm that's disordered.fm. Pop on over and find links to our social media platforms. Join our mailing list so we can let you know when new podcast episodes are available. And we'll send you easy ways to ask us questions and share your wins so we can answer questions on the air and share your successes with the community. And if you're listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any platform that lets you rate or review, do us a favor and leave us a five-star rating and maybe write a review if you're digging Disordered. It really helps us out and we appreciate that. Thanks again for coming by, and we'll see you in the next episode.